0: A perfect setup for this this week and the next week. And uh, as the lights come up, let's turn together to Matthew chapter four for this uh, this Advent season. Um, because of, like I was saying a few minutes ago, the the Sundays kind of uh, Sunday number three and number four kind of have their own standalone deals. So tonight and next week we'll kind of connect. And uh, we 're going to kind of center around this idea of of kingdom. Um, the last song, like I said, it sets it up so perfectly I mean points right to what uh, is is going on and um, several years ago the uh, the kingdom of God was a a very hot topic here at the ring, if there was ever such a thing as a hot topic uh, at the ring but um, the we we got into a uh, teaching series in our community groups primarily that was very much focused on this. And it was the kind of thing where a lot of us had, we've heard of the kingdom of God and, you know, you've seen it in scripture, things like that. But, um, honestly with, with, uh, something I just kept hearing was people like, I've never really thought about it or never studied it before. Never really just didn't really know that much about it. And, um, so now it's kind of become something that, that I hear people dropping in here and there. Uh, hey, it's the rushes. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> if you're here for the first time, I will never do that to anyone else <laughs> except for them. Um, but, but people, they'll say that, you know, like, oh, well, you know, the kingdom this, and in the kingdom this happens and, you know, stuff like that. And, and the thing about uh, lingo within the Christian community is, is that uh, sometimes people have no idea what they're talking about? It just makes sense to be like, "Well, because of the kingdom, right?" Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. You know, but they are like, I don't know. It just felt like the right thing to say. Or uh, sometimes they do. They absolutely know what they're talking about, but you don't know what they're talking about. You just kind of nod along. You're like, "Yeah, yeah, amen, amen, brother." You know, good one. Um, and then there, whenever something is so uh, is such a, a prominent theme. Um, we need to make sure that we really know what we're talking about. That when someone references the kingdom of God, we're, it should launch a certain, just certain things in our minds. Um, and so tonight and, and next week will be kind of a refresher, maybe, if this is, is a place where you've been before, or maybe some of these things will, will be new, or maybe, maybe it'll be from a different angle. But the kingdom of God and Advent are, I mean, they're synonymous, they're, they, they fit together, it's all part of the same thing. Um, and so, uh, this idea of of a kingdom, it's exactly what it sounds like, you know. Uh, now, we, we, of course, in, in America, don't live in a monarchy like that. So, most of our knowledge of kingdoms comes from uh, history or literature, you know, that, that kind of stuff. Uh, but there's a reason why God talks about the kingdom of God uh, and why Jesus, it was such a prominent theme for him as well, um, Whenever we think of the word kingdom, we need to tie to it this idea of governance or rule. Um, That the kingdom of God and the kingdom uh, of of a country—it's the same kind of thing. It's what is how is this uh, kingdom being governed and ruled by its king or by its queen? Um, And the the thing is, like you and I, we all have like a kingdom of our own. In, in that sense of, of thinking. That you are a king, or a queen, but I'm going to say king the whole time. Uh, that you are a king of the things over which you have a say. That's your little kingdom. So a king in a country, uh, it's whatever he says, that's, what, that's the way it goes. Um, you, in your life, have this little kingdom where you have choices and your say and your whatever and your will be done that's your little kingdom um, and I have a kingdom and all of us in this room we're a bunch of kings all right and so here we are with with our little kingdoms and for some your kingdom might be really small you know uh, and the the tendency is the older the older that we get the more complicated the kingdom becomes you know when you're a little kid your, your kingdom is just very limited um, because your parents are like, you, you kind of get to benefit in living in, in their kingdom. So they get to decide where to live and what to eat for dinner and all those kinds of things. But then as you get older, you start to take on some of those things. Then you get to where you're deciding what to wear today, you know. And then maybe one day you you get to decide what school you want to go to or what you want to be when you grow up, um, and then it's you get to decide what job you want to take and and then what are you going to do with that paycheck and uh, do you want to marry this person or not and um, and then then the, so the the kingdom expands as we get older but all of us have this sense of kingship, and God built us that way, we were made to have dominion over things, uh, another. Another way of of thinking of this is stewardship, but let's let's not think in terms of stewardship exclusively tonight. Let's think of ourselves as kings tonight. That God built you to rule over things, to make decisions, and stuff like that. So for the adult population, uh, our our kingdoms kind of deal with with things like um, possessions, and money, and... Um, choices, how we spend our time, what we want it to do, um, how you react to certain situations, how you're going to handle a particular person, let's say, um, your choice to sin or to not sin, your choice to make something an idol or to not make something an idol. Uh, so in this realm of, of choice, you as the king are able to uh, kind of make a, my will be done because I'm the king. Kind of situation, And the Bible even points to this. You don't need to turn to these two verses, but let me, let me we're going to throw these, Amy's going to throw these up on the screen. Judges twenty one twenty five describes Israel in this way. In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Alright? So there was no king to tell them what to do, so everybody just did what they wanted. And so how you handle your kingdom might be different from how I handle my kingdom. And that's just kind of the way that it is. So you do, what was right. you do what's right in your eyes, I do what's right in my eyes. And uh, Sometimes those things sync up and sometimes they don't, you know, whatever. But hey, it's my kingdom, I can do what I want. The Bible points to this. This, was a, this may have been a political reality in Israel, that there wasn't a king seated on the throne. But what was the people's default? Well, I'm going to do what's right in my own eyes. Why? Because I have this little kingdom here that's just mine. And then in Proverbs 14.12, uh, it says this, There's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. Because what happens when kings, like in a political sense, historically, when kings begin to rule, they, they, this ego kicks in, and they just want more and more and more. And so that's where war comes from. That's where greed comes from. That's where injustice comes from. That's where slavery comes from. That's where all these terrible things about life come from. It's not primarily because of some uh, really bad ruler over a country. It really is because in our hearts and in our minds, we're born kings, and we do what we want. And even though it seems right to us, the Bible tells us over and over and over again, it actually leads to death. So the truth is, I am a terrible king, and you are a terrible king. I may do some things, some, some nice things with, with my kingdom, but left to my own, I am awful. That's what the Bible describes. And then we live in this world where you get a bunch of kings who all have this, I, this thought pattern of my will be done, you put us all together, and we start competing with each other and um, scheming together to take, uh, take other people's kingdoms and all this kind of stuff. You end up with, with this kind of world that is just completely messed up, like I was talking about a second ago. And the Bible calls that uh, the world. In Romans 12, where it says, don't conform to the patterns of this world, that's what is being pointed to. Is what happens when a bunch of rogue kings start fighting each other, and figuring out that in order to have their way and their will to be done, someone else has to pay the price. And how do we, you know, we're all like kind of just like against each other in this kind of way. And, and then there, there's, it's not all terrible. I mean, sometimes our kingdoms get along really well. And sometimes there are some people who are truly kind with things. But in the end, the world system that is out there is all these weirdo kings Right, pressed together in this world that is really just very much bent towards self. It's me. It's my kingdom. It's what I want. And so we live in this this completely false reality. We think that this is the way. It's this is the way it was meant to be. This is just how it is. It's just life. You know, you look out for number one. You gotta. You gotta have. You gotta like look out for yourself because nobody else is going to and. So we work toward this, this little like corner of the American dream, so to speak. You know, as long as you know, as long as my life looks a certain way, then everything will be fine. And as long as my kingdom looks the way that I want it to, everything will be cool and uh, whatever. And we buy into this lie that says that that's really what living is all about. And so, it's been that way. We see it in Judges. We saw it in Proverbs. We see it from the really from the very beginning in the Bible. And so Jesus uh, becomes this, uh, this promise, this sort of vague, as far as like his name and all that kind of stuff, but this promise that's foretold about when, that he's going to come, and where he's going to be born, and all these kinds of things that are happening. And so the Old Testament, they're, they're longing for this Redeemer to come and establish this new kingdom, thinking that it's a kingdom that's going like, to help all of our little kingdoms kind of work better. Um, so Jesus shows up, and uh, you know we'll get to that in the next you know month or so. But um, in Matthew chapter four, we see in verse seventeen. So if you kind of if you scan through chapter four, you have the Jesus' Jesus's temptation in the desert. And then he begins his ministry. Uh, calls his first disciples. You know. Ministers of the crowds, and then we get to the Sermon on the Mount. But look look at verse seventeen. It's very simply from that time, Jesus began to preach. This is the beginning of his public ministry, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So probably they were all like, Yes, finally, this guy's the guy, and he's going to establish this new kingdom that's going to make all of our kingdoms more awesome. He's going to establish Israel as this world world power, and then because we are all Israelites, uh, that means that our lives are going to get infinitely better, and then we're going to just take over the whole world. And you know, you know, there's just, there's just this mindset that was there. Right. So he comes in, he's preaching this message about the kingdom, and then you see in verse 23, he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. And healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, epileptics, and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis, and from Jerusalem and Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. So Jesus begins to preach, and this is the most steady message that he preaches the whole time. It's not about hell. It's not about uh, a lot, just a lot, of, a lot of the things that maybe you would assume. He preaches over and over again the gospel of the kingdom, the good news, what gospel means, the good news of the kingdom. He brings into our world through his first advent this new option. And this is why because God has a kingdom too. So you have a kingdom, I have a kingdom, we all have a kingdom, God has a kingdom. And in God's kingdom, it's the same way as in our kingdoms. In God's kingdom, it's my will be done. Him being the my. What he wants is what happens. And everything's just the way that he wants it. His will be done. He is the king in his kingdom. And So Jesus comes and preaches this. Walks around, goes into synagogues, preaches, and then starts healing people. Everybody's like, whoa, what's, what's going on here? And some were like, yeah, this guy is going to be the, the one that establishes us as a world power. And other people were like, eh, there's something else going on here. This guy's not a general, you know. He's not a military guy. I would not follow this guy into battle against Rome, but... He just healed that paralytic right in front of us. Something else is going on here. And so the good news of the kingdom is essentially this. That the kingdom of God was once unavailable, and now it is available. That before Jesus' first advent, humanity was stuck in this thing to where it was your kingdom, your will be done, and even when that only led to pain and death, there's nothing you could do about it. you were completely stuck. Running your kingdom in the only way that you knew fit, which is, my will be done. So Jesus comes in, and he's like, hey, there's another kingdom. And in this kingdom, people are healed. In this kingdom, people aren't hungry. In this kingdom, uh, people aren't hurt by one another. And it was magnetic. It drew everyone to him. The thing we have to understand about this kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, is that man is separate from this kingdom because of our sin. So even as he's walking around and all these crowds are coming in and they're seeing, there's a difference in what this guy is talking about and what I'm talking about. The kingdom of heaven, people get healed. The kingdom of me, people get hurt over and over and over again. They see this difference, they see this distance that's there, but there's nothing they can do about it in their own. And The reason is because this storyline, this narrative, this my will be done is so ingrained in us that God himself had to show up in order to do something about it. And he could have just he could have just come and lived this simple life and like gone and died on the cross for us to take care of the legal separation there. He could have done all that, but he, he became a public figure. And there's a number of reasons why, but here's one I'd just like us to zero in on for tonight is, is the fact that this narrative was so ingrained in us that we had to see it modeled in person. It had to be demonstrated in front of us. There couldn't be this book that popped up. It was like, hey, there's another kingdom. And everybody's like, yeah, I'm totally placing my faith in that. It took a, a living, breathing human walking around, telling people about the kingdom. And then he's basically saying, now let me show you what it looks like. And then he heals. People had to be stunned they had to have their entire framework of understanding how life works turned completely upside down. They had to see the kingdom of God in real tangible ways. And here's, the, here's the, one of the most amazing things to me is Jesus comes and he basically gets in front of people and says, I'm going to show you how you were designed to live. The way that you're living is not how you were built to live. I'm going to show you everything you were meant to be and everything that you can become. I'm going to show you what the kingdom of God is like. And you can't see it for yourselves because you're so blinded. You're so immersed in this narrative of lies and false reality. So I'm going to show you. I'm For three years, I'm going to walk around. I'm going to heal. I'm going to teach. I'm going to heal. I'm going to teach. I'm going to pray. I'm going to serve. I'm going to heal. I'm going to teach. I'm going to do this over and over and over again. And I'm going to become famous around here. And some people are going to get that. And some people aren't. So Jesus in his first advent comes to earth, God himself, to open the doorway into the kingdom of heaven. One that we could not even find on our own, much less open. And Jesus even describes himself as a door at one point. I mean, how much more clearly can it be seen? So he walks the earth says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father, no one comes into my Father's kingdom except through me. Now come on. So over and over and over again, he offers us a picture of what's real. So his first advent, his incarnation, his, the, the, the word becoming flesh, God himself becoming flesh and bone, He opens a doorway to a new reality, but it's really not new. It's new to us. He offers us a chance to cross over from lies into truth. And it's open to everyone. People talk about the gospel, it's so exclusive, you know. Jesus is the only way to God, it's so exclusive. And I'm like, yeah, but it's open to everyone, so what's exclusive about that, you know? There's... He's not saying like, no, you're you don't look right. You don't. You're not right from the right place. You're not this, 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 this. So you can't get in. He's saying everybody can come in. They just got to go through me because I'm the door. And so, the kingdom of God and the incarnation, the advent, the first advent of of Christ fit together because now there's this new way of living. And so what happens, and the the reason why we have talked about this in our groups and on Sundays and why people drop that into conversation is that he is teaching us how to live in in what's real and true. It's this slow, slow, slow process of transformation. Where Jesus says, I'm the model of what you were designed to be, and I'm going to coach you and teach you how to do this, and I'm going to empower all of your efforts and make sure that you have everything that you need uh, to do this. And so, the kingdom of God, for us, when we, when we talk about living inside the kingdom, it's the fact that now, because of Christ, when you place your faith in Him as your Savior and your Lord, you now enter into this, uh, this journey of learning from Him, so here's what's going on. You have two kings that are conferring on everything about kingship. You have King Jesus. You have King you. Because of what Jesus has done in his incarnation, now we have the intermingling, the, um, the tandem work of your kingdom and his kingdom. And so when it comes to the decisions that you make within your realm of things that you have a say in, he will teach you over time to do the same thing in your kingdom that he does in his kingdom. So let's take money. You have this, this money somehow. And however like income comes your way, here, there you are. You have these dollars in front of you. And in your kingdom, your will be done. You can spend it, you know, however you want, because you're the king, right? But as a Christian, now that we have this kingdom of God option, we can deal with our money in ways that God deals with money. And so we go to him and we say, what does a responsible king do with this money? And through the Holy Spirit that lives in us, Jesus will lead us in how to... Be mature kings in handling money. How do we deal with idolatry? How do we deal with people? How do we deal with emotions? How do we deal with the decisions we have to make? All these things as kings that we tend to just like bury our heads and say, well, my will be done. i got to figure this out. We then now have access to Jesus the king who says, well, in the kingdom of God, this is, this is how money works. This is how people work. This is how decisions are made. This is, this is how this is handled. This is how sin is worked through and, and overcome. This is how these patterns are, are healed. This is how you learn to not conform to the patterns of the world, but to be transformed by the renewal of your mind, because King Jesus and King you are tied together in this yoke. You're like two animals linked together. And a part of learning from him is, is exactly that thing. As you're figuring out, how, how can my kingdom... Look like his kingdom? How can the things that he has entrusted to me to be responsible with mirror his kingdom? That was not possible before Jesus came. But now, that's our reality as a Christian. The kingdom of God sometimes gets really lumped into like heaven. You know, like one day, one day, you know, the kingdom of God, well, this, 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 this. The kingdom of God exists in its fullness right now. It's us that's learning how to live in it. The kingdom existed before Jesus came to earth. And it will exist forever. So now we're learning to live in this kingdom. And you take a bunch of us, like let's make the assumption for a second that everyone in here, that we are all saved by Jesus. We have placed our faith in him as our Savior and our Lord. And let's say that we're all, like we're like, that's it, I'm going all in on this like kingdom of God living stuff. I'm going for it. If you press all of our lives together and we're flipping upside down, or actually right side up, the lies of the kingdom of self that exists, that we were born into and that exists in our world, you realize how, like what, like how weird we would be? And Jesus says, yeah, exactly. That's my bride. My bride lives in a world that only knows kingdom of self. And they put on display the kingdom of God, just like Jesus did when he walked around and he healed people. He set things right side up and he spoke the truth in love and he lived consistently among them and he broke bread in their homes and he got off by himself to pray and he did all these things. Just like he was displaying the kingdom of God, you display the kingdom of God. And I display the kingdom of God. And then together, as his church, we go out into the city, and we do the same thing. And if every church was on board with that same kind of vision, then I have to believe that our city would, would begin to really like, be like, what the heck's going on? <laughs> what is happening in Baton Rouge? Why, why is this so different and so strange? And so we come into this season of Advent, and we set our focus... So in Lent, you begin Lent with this idea that Jesus set his face toward Jerusalem. And it's this 40-day journey toward the cross. And for Advent, it's, we, we set our faces as well, but we're kind of, kind of confused in a sense. We set our faces on like, toward the first incarnation and all these things that I'm talking about. We also set our faces on the, 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 on the Advent that is to come. When Jesus comes back makes everything new, takes us away from this kingdom of self, this battle, this tension that we have, and forever and ever and ever, everything is right. And so in Advent, we look at heaven not as being something that's so so far away, and say, well no, Jesus brought heaven now, he brought the kingdom now, so, what does it look like in my everyday life? How do I live inside that kingdom now? Well, it's tied together with Jesus. It's two kings, one is holy and perfect; the other one is in, is greatly in process, is learning. We put that into action, and so as a, as a church, you know, we we have these things on our calendar that are coming up, and. Uh, We believe that all of these things on our calendar are done in the spirit of Advent of saying, okay, what does the kingdom of God look like? In the kingdom of God, no one should be hungry, so we're going to do something about that. In the kingdom of God, um, no one should be cold, so we're going to do something about that. In the kingdom of God, um, no one should be forgotten about. So we're going to make sure that everybody knows they're not forgotten about in the kingdom of God, there shouldn't be kids living at a train station in Calcutta. So we're going to we're going to pool our money and follow him forward into seeing what we can do about that. We're going to try and display everything that we can during this season what this is really about. It's not to say we won't buy stuff. Not to say we won't you know like oh if you went to a Black Friday sale you're totally a sinner. It's like no, it's not. It's fine, but. In the midst of, of shopping, in the midst of gift giving, in the midst of all the things that the next month are going to hold, are we going to do so upside down or right side up? Are we going to do so in the kingdom of self or in the kingdom of God? And Jesus comes and says, Hey, I'm, I know what the kingdom of God side of this should look like. Let me, let me lead you. i am going to close with this before we sing a little bit. Um, so there's this hymn that's called Joy to the World, and it is notoriously a Christmas hymn. And rightfully so, it absolutely is. And I was reading uh, on this, uh, something on the internet, of course, uh, the other day. And um, this guy was pointing out, he said, really, joy joy to the world is really, it's really maybe more about the second coming of Christ than the first coming of Christ. I'm like, wait, what? So, Amy, if you would, let's bring this song up, and let's, I just want to go through the lyrics, and we're going to sing it in a minute, so, yeah. Um, <laughs> Alright, so, joy to the world, the Lord is come, let earth receive her king. Alright, so is that talking about the first advent or the second advent? Well, let's say both, okay? Um, the Lord is come, let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. All right, so we're we're making room in our lives and in our hearts for Christ. We're acknowledging that He is in the yoke. We're consulting Him as like a much better King than we are. We're preparing room for Him. Is that first Advent or second Advent, or is that in between them? Well, let's say all of it. Okay. Uh, next thing, heaven and nature sing. The Bible says that nature longs for His return, uh, maybe more than we do. All right. So is that first or second Advent? All right, let's, let's say both. All right, let's go to the next one. Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. Uh, so we're responding to the reigning of Jesus. First, I haven't seen, let's say both. Uh, while fields, floods, rocks, hills, and plains, and what are they doing? They're repeating the sounding joy. All of creation is worshiping Christ. Is that past, present, or future? Let's say all of them. Okay, the next one, and this is one that we don't really sing very much because it's kind of like it's kind of weird. Maybe we're gonna sing it tonight um, because um, no more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. So in Genesis three, part of the curse is that the earth uh, will, will now like will work against man in trying to farm it. So thorns, think about this, no, no plants were ever intended to have thorns. That's all because of sin. And so this is saying, no more will sin and sorrow grow, or thorns infest the ground. All right, so to me, is that first admit, that's, second, that's more second advent than the first one. Uh, then we go, he comes to make his blessings flow, how far? Far as the curse is found. His blessings are flowing as far And far and far as the curse is found. Is that first or second? That's probably first. So, in one verse, you got both. All right. Uh, And then the last one He rules the world with truth and grace. All right. Uh, That's that's past, present, future. Um, Makes the nations prove the glories of His righteousness. Revelation talks about all the nations coming together and there being this healing. So, that's probably second. Uh, second advent and then the last uh, the last slide and the wonders of his love that's all the time so this song that is typically associated with the first coming is probably just as much about the second coming as anything else it's this declaration that we have we have so much to just to just celebrate and rejoice over uh, because our king has come for us that as terrible of a king as I can be That it's not on me. That I've not been left. I've not been abandoned. I've not uh, succumbed to my own greediness and self-centeredness. That God himself came to earth as the doorway to this new kingdom. Where he empowers and he encourages and he corrects. And he's modeled for us how we were designed to live. So as we enter into this Advent season, maybe that's a challenging thought for us. Man, In light of the kingdom of God, and this perfect king who has modeled what real life is about, maybe that changes everything about everything. Let's stand together as the band comes back up. Lord Jesus, uh, very thankful. I'm grateful that uh, that the scriptures are here and that we have an account and one that is reliable—an account and a picture of what your life here looked like. And that even though it was a long time ago and none of us were there in person. Um, this idea of, of seeing you as displaying reality and showing us how we were built to live, that we weren't made for sin and death, but we were made for holiness and for life, and not just life here, but life forever with you. pray that you would help us in our... Um, just in our quest to uh, to steward well the kingdoms that you have entrusted to us the, the things that are ours to be responsible with pray God that you would help us to continue to move toward the point where life inside the kingdom is not a joke to us it's not a cliche it's not a some abstract idea that is just for the future but this is what a abundant life looks like. you came that we would not only live but live in the fullness of how we were created which we're we're just only getting a glimpse of that, but the glimpse that we get is pretty amazing and so as we we sing in response, Lord uh, pray that you'd help us uh, and that you'd use the lyrics of these songs to Make some things come alive in us as well. and um, As we look back to your first advent, but also greatly anticipate the one that's to come.